I get to see the privilege of just calling back up Susan, who is such a blessing um, to our church, to our elder team um, as a pastor here. And uh, I just, Susan, I want to personally thank you for being, for being that voice that keeps, uh, keeps saying, God, we want a whole heart. And I'm telling you, um, you have made a huge difference here. And I, I honor you and I thank you and I bless you. And come on up and share some with us. Wow, I wish I could do that. <laughs> Teach me later, whoever did that. <laughs> That's so cool. I did not have a brother growing up, so I didn't get to learn cool stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, the whistle thing, whatever it is. Uh, oh, Marilyn. Oh, that's right. You had a brother, didn't you? <laughs> Two brothers. <laughs> hey, okay. Hey. Okay, well, okay. I'll try and preach and use words if I can. But <laughs> Actually, we were doing that at the NLE last week, too. Even it's like, yeah, we're going to love on them and use words if you need to. But the love is so much more important. That is, ah, that's, that's it. That's what we have that no other religion in the world has. They have, they do stuff, they work hard, they have faith, but they sure don't have the love, access to the real source like we do. It's such an honor and privilege to be with you all and, and worship the one true God all together. So yeah, my passion is wholehearted, <laughs> that's for sure. Which is interesting because how many of you know, um, God has a sense of humor and I, I was raised in a family that was anything but wholehearted, okay? <laughs> and it, <laughs> I just remember from a very young age, I wanted, I wouldn't have had the words to know that's what it was, but I look back and go, that's what I wanted. I wanted that sense of, can somebody connect somewhere? <laughs> So God is so good. He knows. He knows why, what he's put in you, and he will craft your entire life to get you there. He will. So Jesus, I thank you you're here. <laughs> thank you for all that you've already been doing. The things we're aware of, the things we don't know, we aren't aware of fully. But um, God, thank you. you your, your plans continually unfold unto for us every single day. And I pray that whatever peace you have for each one here tonight, God, you would just help us grab hold of it and receive it and believe how very, very good you are. Intimately good. Perfect in your plans for us. Um, and I just, just, just pray, God, hey, for a, a real unfolding of the fullness that there is so much to each man, woman, and child in earshot here tonight, so much more to you than you can even imagine. And I, I ask God that you just help us kind of see more clearly what you see and help us agree. Grant us grace, God. Grant us grace just to receive it. Who? Ah, so... Um, 
Yeah. I was going to talk tonight about something <laughs> that I run into a lot um, when I pray with people. This is probably not for all of you, but I think it's going to be for for most of you. And, um, or at least most all of us can relate with places of getting stuck. And why am I stuck? And what needs to happen for me to be, get past this stuck place? And even if that's not you, I can guarantee you know some people, you have people in your life that are stuck. It's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? It's just, we just have those things in our hearts sometimes and we don't always know why. So, um, and there's some reasons why we get stuck. And I think it can help us to realize why and what can be done. Um, we used to go to Burning Man. I mean, we do a similar um, ministry to what we do at the NLE. And one particular time, I was in the tent and a, and a young man came in. And this young man, I would say, of anybody I've ever seen had absolutely no hope. He just just hopeless. You could just tell he, he had no sense of worth, no sense of well-being. And I had the distinct sense that this was, this was it. This was it. He had to find a reason for life to continue living. Um, and as we ministered to him, um, I started seeing a picture of a coffin. And it just... Um, I don't remember exactly how how things played out at this point, but basically we were both seeing the coffin at the same time, and he said to me, you know, yeah, I'm, I've been feeling like I've been in that coffin my whole life, and then the nails are now, I'm just feeling like it's just down to the last couple nails, and then I will be in that coffin, and that's it. And I said, well, you know, I didn't actually even know how to do heart sync way back in the day. But I felt like uh, there was not grace to talk to him about Jesus. But I felt like, but Jesus lives in me. And I felt to ask him, um, well, would it be okay with you if I came with you into that coffin in the spirit? And he knew exactly what I was talking about. And we had developed enough of a rapport, and he said, yes, I would like that. And this is the ministry of Jesus. Like Psalm 139, I will go with you to heaven, and I will go with you to hell. I will go with you to your deepest despair. I will go with you to your hopeless places. I will be with you on the top of the mountain, and I will be with you in your pit. And so being there with him in that place, I wasn't agreeing with him. I was not agreeing with him feeling like he has worth, his life had no worth or hope, but I was able to sit with him and be with him and validate and say, but what you're feeling is very real. What you are feeling is real. I don't agree. I, I, of course, not using those words, but that he felt the compassion of the Lord. And in that place, hope began to restore. He began to smile. He started to receive, maybe for the first time in his life, or at least for a long time, words of hope and encouragement. And as that started happening, one of my teammates said to him, you are a prince among men. And he received it. And then, a couple minutes later, one of the leaders, who's very sensitive to the spirit, was picking up on what was going on. She wasn't hearing it. She came over and she said to him, you are a prince among men. 
And when he got up to leave, he said, I came here completely without hope, and I am leaving a prince. Now, that is the spirit of reconciliation, and that is the spirit of what compassion, true compassion, true empathy will do. It's not agreeing with somebody when they're in a pit, but it's saying, I'll hang with you. I'll be here. And um, everything I'm going to talk about tonight is related to that. When we are stuck, it's because there is a part of our heart we've kind of given up on. Or we believe it just has to be the way it's always been. And without knowing it, we haven't let Jesus in. All he wants to do is come in and be with you. And we certainly earlier tonight, a lot was being ministered to exactly that. So that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. A big part of the problem for many of us is shame. Is just feeling... I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. There's something wrong with me. I'm a problem. And that young man from uh, a Burning Man, that was really his identity was, I am a problem. I am a problem. I've just caused problems. Because of my autism, I've caused everybody problems. So I want to just speak um, briefly um, a couple stories from the Bible that kind of give examples of what this looks like and the choices um, these guys made to let God in or not. First one would be King Saul. We all know that story pretty well, don't we? King Saul. Um, he was tapped to be king by Samuel, the prophet, because the people wanted a king. And so um, when he was called up to become king, uh, he's hiding in the baggage. They literally, it was kind of play on words, wasn't it? Had a little baggage, King Saul, had a little baggage. He's hiding. Why? He did not feel worthy to be king. He had too much shame in his life. He had carried, uh, no doubt, there must, I don't know, who knows, a little bit of a dysfunctional family, no doubt, growing up. And he felt unworthy, even though he was this tall, big, handsome man that looked wonderful, I'm sure, to everybody. Um, he did not want to be king. And it became clear through many of his actions that he was very, very afraid of what people thought about him. He was so afraid people would judge him. He was so afraid he was being compared to other people. He was tormented. And he had this amazing opportunity he was given this, this, this moment in time. If you remember from the story, it's in, I think, 1 Samuel, um, where he's hanging out with the prophets and the Spirit of God falls. He's getting all filled up with the Spirit. And he beca- it literally says he became another man. Now, I think what happened in that moment is he got in touch with his true identity. He got in touch with his original self. He felt the flow of the Spirit. And he sort of rose above that old identity that he'd been struggling with. He tasted what it would be to be his true self. So why didn't it stick? Well, I think... Poor King Saul, he had self-pity, and he thought, oh, well, poor me. He just, for whatever reason, it maybe felt too hard to try and believe he could be more than what he'd been told in his past. He kept holding on to the if-onlys in life. If only 
people really knew how hard my life has been. And then once David came on the scene, remember that, David came just to serve him and love on him, right? David would come with his harp to bring comfort to Saul. But because David was so loved by the people, Saul was tormented with jealousy and rage whenever David came along. So much so, Saul started believing, well, if only I took David out, if only I killed him, then my life is going to be good. And he spends years and years chasing after David to try and kill him. Well, guess what? If he would have done that, if he would have killed David, he would have still had the same issues of his heart. I remember my having some if onlys. <laughs> um, I remember having kind of partnering with self pity for many many years. I was spent a lot of years being depressed, and I remember thinking, well, if only people knew just oh, what a terrible person I was. It, I don't. It, I know it doesn't make sense logically, but those of you who've struggled with self pity, it feels like if you can only get people to feel sorry for you enough, somehow. That's going to make it better. Those of you who struggle with self-pity know exactly what I'm talking about. Those of you who haven't are probably going, what the heck? But believe me, it's a, a lot of us have struggled with this. It feels like if only I could get people to listen to me enough, listen to my same story again and again and again, then. And if only, if only, if only. Well, the problem is I'm asking other people to believe a lie with me. And that will never bring comfort. Now, what you can ask people to do is be with you, be present with you, love on you, sit with you, go to hell with you, even. Right? But they're not going to be able to agree with you. That will never heal you. That will never heal you. What we can do with people like that is simply let them know, I realize this is very real to you. That's the comfort of the Lord is to say, this is real. This feels real. And we can do that without agreeing. Does that, does that make sense? And that's actually what we do in heart sync with people. We let them know we hear you. This feels so real. Oh my goodness. And there's some very good reasons you've believed this. But look at Jesus. He's right here. And being with him, allowing him in is the fix, right? There. Suddenly it's like, oh, it's not so important to me to believe that lie anymore. But it only comes, the, the ability to let go of the, the lie only comes when you get something better to replace it with. And the better has to be Jesus. show can only be Jesus. He says, this is, this is the deal. Saul had, had shame-colored lenses on his glasses, and that's all he could see everywhere he looked, is everything's not enough. In uh, Psalm 44, says, I can't escape the constant humiliation. Shame is written across my face. Oops, I'm sorry, I went. Swipe. Ah. There it is. Um, all I hear is the taunt of my mock- mocker. All that I see is my vengeful enemy. That was life for uh, Saul, and he just couldn't receive the kindness David was trying to lavish on him because of his... All that shame. There we go. Um, He needed the comfort of the Lord. God's comfort to come heal his deep unworthiness, to heal that terror, that fear of man, being so afraid of what people would think about him that kept him so locked up. 
Isaiah 51 says, The Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. See, self-pity only wants to blame somebody else. It's David's fault. If only David wasn't so wonderful, then people won't think so badly of me. me. That was what he was believing inside. Um, Shame wants to justify. This is why I need to do this all the time. This is why I have to believe this. But the Lord wants to come and bring comfort. He wants to come, bring his strength, bring his presence into that place. I remember once in ministry where the Lord opened something up for me in my heart some years back, and it was like a black pit. And I remember feeling so afraid to go into that thing because I was going to go, oh, yeah, if I go into that, I'm going to be lost and I'm going to be trapped. Then... And I just put it aside. I knew that I kind of had bypassed a moment where I could have gotten some freedom. But a few years later, that same pit opened up again. This time I had a stronger connection with Jesus. And we're looking at that pit together and I'm going, it's only four inches deep. What gives here? I thought there was this big pit that was going to open up and swallow me and I was just going to feel despair and get, get stuck there. But you see, when you go with him into the pain, you don't get stuck there because he's your way out. He's your way in and he's your way out because he brings truth and freedom and comfort. Yeah, it's real. It is real. I get it. I understand. That's what keeps us stuck. It is very real because it was real when it happened way back when, or kept on happening, the rejection, or the misunderstandings, or whatever it was, or maybe the mistakes even you made. It was very real. It was very disappointing. But the problem, we keep him locked out, and then it will never change. We start opening up like, oh, that door, oh, we were talking about tonight. We start opening up, oh, it starts changing. Light starts coming in. It starts looking different and feeling different. Yeah. Okay. So that's Saul. He chose poorly. Didn't end so well for him, did it? Life, nothing changed for him. He wanted, I'm just, I'm going to hold on to this thing and I'm not going to let it go. Let's look at somebody who chose wisely. And that would be Joseph. Joseph of the Old Testament now. Now, Joseph did not have the wonderful, beautiful, leave it to beaver family, you guys. Anybody read the Old Testament recently? I mean, he was, he was raised in a bunch of gangsters. Seriously. When his sister Dinah got raped by one of the local dudes who, by the way, felt badly enough about it. He's like, I want to marry her, actually. I want to make this good. I'll do whatever it takes, and I'll make it good, okay? So they're like, fine. You, all you guys, you all get circumcised. All you adult men. Like, yeah. So that's, of course, not much fun. But what do the brothers do? They go and murder every single man in that city. Now, this is the family 
Joseph's been raised in. So is it a big surprise that they all decide one day that they don't like him and they want to kill him and get rid of him? Apparently there was some jealousy. and I mean, we know about the story about the dreams, right? I don't think I have to go over that and that he was maybe his father's favorite. But there had to have been a lot more to it to get to the place where they wanted to take out their brother and kill him. Yeah, this was a family that was not exactly lovey-dovey. So in the middle of this family, here's Joseph. And we know the story. He's totally betrayed by his brothers. He's sold off into slavery after one of them says, hey, let's not kill him. Let's at least, you know, sell him or something. Um, And this goes on for years and years and years that Joseph is in slavery with Pharaoh as a, as a slave, initially a slave to Potiphar. But because he chose to live a life of integrity, even though he, he is off in another culture where he probably doesn't know the language, and, um, but he chooses to serve. He chooses to return um, violence with grace. And even though he was falsely accused, and he starts getting more and more honor, he gets putting him into a place of more and more um, eminence, but ultimately he's betrayed again by Potiphar's wife, and then he goes to prison, and he's there for several years. But once more, he could have gotten bitter. He could have gotten anger. But again, he decided to keep serving. To me, that's kind of amazing. I don't know where he got that. He must have had a real living relationship with God because um, once more the prison guard can see that this man is a man of integrity. He starts giving him more and more responsibility. We know the story. He interprets a couple dreams, which turned out to be accurate. But instead of getting out of jail then, which he could have been, they forgot about him for the next couple years. So he's been in jail, you know, most of his time there. It reminds me of Psalm 51. The heart of Joseph went like this. Create in me a a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Even in the pit, even in prison, I need your presence. You know, I'm I'm not a lot going, going on here that's giving me a sense of worth or purpose. He's in prison. But yet... I know the important, he knew the important thing was to have God's presence with him. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Now those are the words of David, but I think they very much apply to Joseph. You see, even in prison, Joseph knew that God was with him and God was for him. He learned how to serve. He knew he'd been raised up to be a leader. His dreams were all saying that. But he was willing to let that go and learn to serve. Yeah, more than once, multiple times. So I want to just um, uh, move into more what I would say is the antidote for these issues of getting stuck. We were talking a lot tonight about the face of God and how he looks upon us, and how he feels towards us. Kind of like that little baby. (laughs) That baby sure looks like, wow, somebody loves me. 
Psalm 31 says, God, this is um, crying out to God, make your face shine upon your servant and save me for your mercy's sake. I think Joseph, somehow he just knew to keep his eyes on the Lord. He knew that even in dark places, God was still with him. There's just no way he could have kept going the way he did any other way. And of course, ultimately, he got his breakthrough, didn't he? Took a lot of years. Thank goodness most of us don't have to go through anything quite like that. But he got his breakthrough because he kept his eyes on God and he kept letting God in. I'm sure he was tempted many, many, many a time to be bitter and resentful and demand justice. But all those sorts of things do tend to keep us stuck. God will give us justice. Oh, but it doesn't tend to happen maybe how we've just outlined to him how it should happen and on our timetable and exactly in the right order. <laughs> he sees so much more than we see, don't, doesn't he? He sees all. So when we hear the scripture talks a lot about God's face shining upon us. God being gracious to us, blessing us, making his face shine upon us. What does that mean? It means that he is willing to stoop low and be among us. He's willing to look at you and pour out his life into your life. He's willing to look at you eye to eye and say, I adore you. In your worst moment, I adore you. I adore you because this is just a moment. We think it's the end of the world. He's like, this is just a moment. I adore you. I love you. I never get tired of being with you. You might get tired of being with you. I don't. Yeah. The solution for any pain we might have experienced inside is letting him in. The past might not change. Some of us had some pretty awful things happen in the past. But when you let him in, because he's out of time and space, perspective just completely starts to change. And that means our future starts to change to whatever limits we might have put it on. May his face smile with favor unending upon each and every one of you. So I want to... Look at the blessing of the Lord. The ironic, it's called, not ironic, ironic, as in Aaron, <laughs> is what it's called. Blessing. I think this is sort of like, you know, the New Testament, we look at the Lord's Prayer, like he's like, how do you pray? Well, you pray like this, Jesus said. This is sort of like God, God this is actually literally from God. God told, gave this prayer, this uh, blessing to Moses, and he said, this is how I want the priests to bless This is how I want the priest to bless my people. These are my words. Use my words. Bless my people. 
bless my people. And it goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Now here's the deal. God's not waking, waiting for you to have your great breakthrough to smile upon you. He is smiling upon you right now. Right now. He's smiling upon you right now. His face is, is, is shining upon you. This is a blessing for all of eternity. It started back then. It, it's, it's his nature. It's who he is. It's how he is towards you. And it never stops. It never ceases. The Lord makes his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Let's look at that a little deeper, okay? That's the first part of the blessing. He shines his light upon you. He smiles approval, approval over every aspect of your life, approval. Now, we just, sometimes, what, what about those parts? Approval. It's like, um, you know, two-year-olds, three-year-olds don't always behave. I understand my granddaughter, believe it or not, our perfect little granddaughter. is trying to act a little bit like a two-year-old here and there. I mean, a little bit like that strong-willed child, which is really normal. They need to figure out who they are. You know, there's times when they're not acting because they only, like, mature and making good decisions because they're children. Well, we are children, really. We are children. And God looks at us like that. I know, you're a child, and you don't see the whole picture, and sometimes you don't choose well. Sometimes you got an attitude. I doesn't stop my smile. It doesn't. It doesn't stop his smile over your life. It doesn't. We think it does because... People stop smiling. People stop smiling. It's not in God's nature to stop smiling over his kids. It's not in his nature. He can't stop smiling over his own because you're his. Jesus indwells you. How could he stop smiling at you? How could he stop that? He extends unceasing mercy and kindness to you and pours his life into you. He doesn't run out of all the good that's in him. People sometimes run out. People get tired. We run out of time. He, doesn't, he runs out of nothing. How? Everything you need from him, he always has at the ready. He adores you. his idea of fun to be with you. Always. Let's look at the next phrase. The Lord lifts up his countenance upon you and gives you peace. 
The Lord looks full on your face, eye to eye. He smiles his glowing approval over your life. He shines his light upon you. He makes you prosper with peace, with life, and with well-being continuously. He promises to bless you, to care for you, to protect you. He promises to look upon your life intently and eternally. With all of his goodness, he looks upon you. His goodness, his kindness. And he shines the glory and the light of his life upon your life. He is sincere and heartfelt with his approval for you. Because he calls you his own. (laughs) That's it. You already signed up. <laughs> and he takes you at, his, at your word, even if you weren't 100% sure. He loves you. And his love feels like something. Um. At the NLE last week, I want to just share, just close with one story. Um, A woman came in and um, she shared that uh, she had been stuck. The uh, the new the new agers call it blockage. I don't know where they get anyway. They all call it. I have a blockage. They they use that lingo a lot. So she told us she had a blockage. She'd had that blockage pretty much her whole life. She'd had that blockage. And, um, so she was very teary. She wanted things to change so desperately. And she said, you know, I have been praying and praying and praying for this. I really need this to change. And I didn't get all the story. Didn't need all the details, really. Um, I think it had to do with just being abandoned, left alone, um, ignored, not given any attention growing up. Um, so probably some, you know, there was probably some violence. And when we started talking to her, she could really relate. Yeah, there's a little girl inside, and she's very lonely, and she's in a very, very, very dark place. I'll tell you this. I don't think she was there very long at all. Didn't take this did not take long, and I just started doing what we call synchronizing or attuning with her, maybe for a couple minutes, just started letting her little girl know that you know that's very real to you. I am so sorry it's been so hard. I didn't tell her that I agreed that she was worthless and useless, but I did say, you know, I'll be with you, I'll sit with you, I'll connect with you. And pretty soon, some light started coming into that space that had been so very, very, very dark. And we asked her, well, would it be okay with you if Jesus came in and was sat with you? And she said, well, yeah, I think I'd, I'd like that. And as Jesus started coming in, the little girl started getting more and more light and more and more free. And pretty soon, she's out on a grassy meadow. 
and she's dancing and she's getting freer and freer and freer and freer and she's starting to smile and then she says that blockage is gone and it gets better and it gets better and then we say well do you want this Jesus she's like oh yes I want this Jesus turns out she'd been raised in the Catholic Church so she knew something about Jesus and she'd been baptized before and they were saying well would you like to be baptized this time by your choice and you know what else that means and that means you get the Holy Spirit too and she's like yes so we went and got a bottle of water and put some little sprinkled over the little water and she is getting filled up with the glory of the Lord and the Holy Spirit because in that short little time that Jesus just sat with her he let her know that you're not a problem you're not alone I've always been with you People, you know, people will be people, but I am the one who loves you always, and I will never leave you. And she knew it, and she felt it, and she was ready. It was just her time. It was just her time. She was ready. And that is true for each and every one of us. If we have a a blocked place in our heart that we thought, oh, well, I'm just going to say, very often... This may not be always the case, but very often we haven't even realized that we were the one who blocked off. Because we thought, "Um, I'm not sure what will happen if I open this up. Like me with my little pit, like, oh, what's going to happen? I promise you, if you go with the Lord, it won't be nearly as bad as you think. Ever. So I'm wondering if in um, closing tonight, you all be willing to just um, close your eyes. If you want. If you want. Again, this will be for some. God will be doing something unique with each one of you, I know. I remember when I was... um, younger and um, I um, had always felt very very lacking in confidence I just never felt like I know you guys look at me now and here I am preaching and no I did not have much confidence I, I suffered with a lot of doubt and a lot of insecurity and I remember we we're, were getting I was getting ready to go back to school and I'm going to get my master's degree and my PA go to the PA program at Duke University and I'm thinking secretly in my head um I, I think I'm going to get confidence by going through this program because I'm going to come out with a master's degree and I think I'm probably going to feel real confident about myself. And I'm just going to tell you, <laughs> getting more information, going through a program, learning more stuff, it, 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 I didn't come out the other side with more confidence. It took a lot of heart healing. Because whatever it is you need is not going to come from the outside. It's going to come from the inside out. It's going to come from the inside out. 
So my little issue was, if only, if only I get through this thing, I'm going to come through and I'm going to be good. So I'm just going to throw that out there right now for you all. If you are holding on to an if only, if only this happens, then that. Um, It might be that the Lord wants to come and be your if only. Would you be willing to give him that? That thing you've been believing that if only this thing could happen like that, then I know the good the thing I want's going to happen. That's us trying to manage our own healing. That's us trying to figure out our own life all by ourselves. We need his help. We only see in part. We think we know. <laughs> I know I have. <laughs> So if you want to surrender your if-onlys to him, if you're ready, ask him what he will give you in exchange for that thing you thought had to happen in just the right way at the right time. What will it look like if you give that to the Lord? What happens when his face shines upon that thing? And for some of you, there may be, you might be feeling that there's a part of your heart that's just, just missing, just not enough. If you were, if, if you were more like that or more like this, if. Only people understood you, you better if only. You had justice. Would it be okay for the Lord to come and shine his face? Bring his comfort. Surround that entire situation with his loving arms. He understands. He sees it all. He has a plan. And the plan he has for you is really, really, really good. And it fits you perfectly. One of a kind. And one last thing, I just want to bless you. To be your true self. I know, I spent years comparing myself to others. It felt like if only I was like more like that person or this person. We will all miss out if you are like another person. I bless you in the name of the Lord for him to put his name upon your life and call you out to be your true self that he designed with delight.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lifts his countenance upon you and gives you peace. And so shall his name be upon you and you will be blessed. So you could certainly stay there with the Lord and let him continue to love on you. Those of you who have children, sorry, it's time. (laughs) Not so sorry. Your kids will be so thrilled to see your face shining on them. (laughs) And if there are some folks that would like to pray tonight um, for the prayer teams to come on up and um, minister, that would be awesome. And if there's some maybe some music we could put on, that'd be great. Thank you so much. Bless you.